to bring the six-year-old text up to date. Her publisher begged Elena to do another publicity tour. Though she loathed the idea, Elena was desperate both for money and something to fill the empty days. Her summer had been simply awful. Three months of airports and hotels and television appearances and lecture halls. She traveled and spoke and lived in a state of perpetual jet lag. Her prayers had become a simple litany, often spoken from the back seat of another taxi. Then, at an Atlanta appearance, the president of Atlantic Christian University approached Elena and offered her a chair, which was the academic name for a professorship that had been funded by an outsider. ACU had received a substantial grant from an alumnus to help build its psychology department, and were looking for a name. Elena would teach several classes but have ample time to write or continue with her private practice. The president described the city of Melbourne as a quiet haven nestled between Cape Canaveral and the glitz of South Florida. Elena had almost wept with gratitude and called the offer in answer to a prayer. Now, she was not so sure, especially since the local forecasters talked about a hurricane bearing down on their coast. As though the weather was determined to show her just how bad things could become. Dr. Burroughs? Elena turned from the window and felt her heart stop. There, in the doorway, stood Miriam, her best and oldest friend. The problem was, Miriam had died the previous summer. The woman stepped into the empty classroom and closed the door behind her. I'm Rachel Lamprey. Perhaps you remember me? Elena felt her chest unlock. The woman's resemblance to her late sister was astonishing. Of course, we met at Miriam's funeral. I know I should have called, but I was afraid you wouldn't see me. Rachel Lamprey was impossibly elegant. It wasn't merely her designer outfit of rough silk, shaded like ancient bone china. Nor was it the perfect coiffure, the heels, the pearls, or the small Cartier watch. Rachel Lamprey held herself with a queenly elegance, as though she expected the world to do her bidding, and do so because she deserved it. Miriam had seldom spoken of her younger sister, or the rift that had kept them apart. Elena recalled how once Miriam had mentioned her sister's casual ruthlessness. Miriam had called it a throwback to some distant era, when their forebears had held the power of life or death over thousands. Another time, Miriam had mentioned Rachel's disdain toward faith. Rachel considered herself too intelligent and too modern to need any god, Miriam had said. Standing before the haughty woman, Elena decided that other than the physical resemblance, Rachel possessed none of Miriam's most vital qualities. Won't you sit down? Thank you, no. I have something of vital importance to discuss in very little time. Could we perhaps find somewhere more private? Elena was not certain she wanted to go anywhere with this coldly aloof woman. Is this about your daughter? Penelope, she sniffed. Hardly. Whatever gave you that idea? 
You two argued through Miriam's funeral. I thought, well, with my clinical background. My daughter has spent her entire life indulging in phases, Dr. Burroughs. When we were in London for Miriam's service, Penny was consumed by gothic rock. I ordered her to leave her black garbs and body piercings at home. Penny was not pleased. We argued. Now she is obsessed with whales. Penny uses such phases as an excuse to redesign her entire personality, wardrobe, lifestyle. She becomes enraged and sullen when the world refuses to go along with her latest fad. Unfortunately, my daughter has no idea who she truly is. No one does. Perhaps these phases are your daughter's lonely cry to be loved and accepted by her mother, Elena replied sharply. Only she's grown so accustomed to your disdain, she has either forgotten.